Well, tonight, um, as we get into the Word, I want to ask you a simple question, a question that um, has really been stirring in my mind this week, um, and I want you to think about this. When I ask you this question, you might immediately say, nothing, I'm good, I'm checking out, I'm outside anyway, so he don't know that I'm going to slip away, I'm going to make sure I keep my lights off, and I'm just going to, you know, do one of those. But I want you to think about this question, what is stealing your joy? What is stealing your joy? And this question, just like, it just kept smacking me in the face this week, just thinking about that for so many people who are going without joy, who are experiencing life without joy, who are allowing their joy to just be squandered or squat or whatever the story is. And so we, like, we know, right, and John 10, 10, right, that the thief comes to what? Steal, kill, and destroy, whereas Jesus came that we might have life and have it abundantly, right? Like, I mean, we, we've, we know this. We know this. But the enemy has this way of robbing you of your joy, even in your most joyful moments. Like, have you ever been in an incredible moment of joy and in the whole time, you're being robbed of that very joy. Like, I, I know that I've been there. I know that I've experienced it. Like, Bethany and I, many times in our life, like, okay, um, I, can, I can think of, <laughs> I got to be careful what stories I share um, to make sure I'm not in trouble. Um, got it. Okay, so I didn't even write this story down, so I'm just going with it, all right? Um, so when Bethany and I had Nakoda, okay, um, that was a terrifying experience. I'm just going to be honest with you. Um, Kim will tell you. She was there, and she, she held my hand the whole time. Um, but I did it, guys. I did it. Um, <laughs> but I can, I can remember... All of the excitement, all of the preparation, everything. I mean, Kim and I had Scrabble. Like, we thought we were going to go in there and play Scrabble while Beth was having a baby. And then come to find out, she's like, three and a half hours, boom, I'm done. Like, this is it. I'm done. And so, totally ruined our opportunity for a good Scrabble game. But I can remember being in the hospital with this beautiful, amazing creature, right? I can remember those experiences. I can remember the terrifying fear, right? I remember everything. But I can remember we had someone come, and I'm not going to say who this person was, but we had someone come, come visit us in the hospital. And here we are in the most joyous moment. And someone comes, and they literally look at our child, and they say, what a beautiful, amazing baby girl with such an ugly name. And I almost punched this person in the face, <laughs> right? And I think about how there are so many times where we get in these incredible moments of joy that the enemy comes in to try to take it from us. See, because we could have dwelled, we could have gotten so caught up in it. And listen, it happens all the time. You could be in the middle of a blessing and you could guilt yourself to death about the blessing that you're receiving and take all the joy out of it. And that is not, listen, that is not what we want to do. So I want to talk about this tonight and help you focus on this to recognize and understand that the enemy is always trying to take your joy. 
And so I'm going to talk about protecting your joy, okay? I'm going to talk about protecting your joy, and I think I'm going to, I, I can warn you that based off of my notes, y'all is going to walk away and you're going to be like, boy, was scattered tonight. <laughs> and I'm going to get there. And I wish, I wish Billy was here tonight. I know they're camping unless he, they snuck in outside, but, or in outside. That's a weird way to say that, but, um, I'm going to tell you about a weird experience that I had, okay? It was January 2016, okay? I can actually look back, and you guys will think, wow, he really journals everything. No, I don't journal everything. You'll understand why I remember the date here in a minute, but January 16th, and for those of you who y'all know me, I'm not a sports guy, right? Um, They always laugh at me. I do horrible sports puns just to make myself look even more of a fool when it comes to sports. I mean, it's just, it's what I do. Um, I bought my, I bought my boss cause he, they're all into sports. Okay. And I bought my boss, those shirts. I don't know if you've seen it, um, where like the football player is kneeling down. He's all like victory. And it says home run. It's a football player, home run. Um, and uh baseball player hitting the ball and it says touchdown and all this stuff. Like that's, I, that's, this is what I do. But I remember January 2016, I was watching the wild card playoff game between the Cincinnati Bengals and the Pittsburgh Steelers, okay? And you're all like, I cannot believe he watched a football game, okay? Um, This game was like a pretty big deal. And if any of you are like Bengals fans, you're probably going to remember this game. You may already remember it. You may be curled up in a ball right now as I'm talking about it. I don't know. But we were, as a sports team, okay, Many of you know we don't do very well with playoff games um, at all. Um, it's really bad. But we were so close to winning this game. Like, final quarter, it's down to the minutes. It's like things are going amazing. And then all of a sudden, our team lost their cool. They lost their composure. And all of a sudden, all these unsportsmanlike conduct flags gets thrown. And all, and then they hit someone when they're not supposed to. And another flag gets going. Next thing you know, the Pittsburgh Steelers is like right at the line. And they kick a field goal. And that field goal was just enough to win the game in like the final moments. I think this was at least single overtime. It may have been double overtime. Like it was, it was that intense, okay? And I remember this game so well because I decided I wanted to watch. I wanted I want to try to get in this. I want to try to do this. And in watching this game, I remember the utter disappointment. Like the 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 loss. I re- I remember saying to Beth, "This is why I don't watch sports." And I told her that because the reality was the emotional experience that was associated with what had happened on a TV screen, people. (laughs) It had a direct influence in how I felt. Like, it literally messed up the way I felt. Like, right before then, I was like, yeah, we're going to win a playoff game. You know, I was like, I was pumped. And then all of a sudden, I was angry. I was like, I'm just going to bed. You know, like, kicking the dog. And I was just so mad. And right then, I was like, I can't, I can't do this. Because what happened is something that had no influence on my life. Like, if we'd have won that game right now, I wouldn't be telling you much of a different story, right? Like, I wouldn't even remember the game, probably, if we won. But I remember it now partly because it took my joy. 
and I let it take my joy, right? I let it in that moment. Like, it's, a, it's, a, it's on the TV, guys. And so, you know, maybe, maybe this is a bit much, but for some of you, it may be sports robbing your joy. It could be social media. Could, could be politics. <laughs> Whatever it is, there are things that you know in your life that will elicit a certain response from you depending on what you see or read. Can I tell you, that's why certain people only read things from certain news sites? because they know if I read from this news site, I'm going to feel good about myself. (laughs) But if I read from this one, I'm just going to get angry. Maybe that's why they have them all. I don't, I don't know what we're, what we're not doing. Okay. Is doing the work to protect our joy anymore. We are allowing everything else to influence how we are feeling and how we are responding. And we are forsaking the fact that we need to protect our joy. And I know we can't do this, but there's a lot of times that I'm the kind of guy that I would love to just like shove my hand in my head in the sand. I mean, I love the sand anyways. Um, that's why, you know, we're going to be going on vacation soon, but, but, uh, right. I just, I would just rather not know. I, I can remember driving by a billboard, um, during political season last time. And there was a, there was a billboard over here that was just disparaging, just ripping someone to shreds. And there was another one ripping the other guy to shreds over here. And it was like, I remember driving by and I, th- I said to myself, if those billboards weren't there, would I even know anything was happening? <laughs> See, oftentimes when it comes down to it, the thing that we allow to steal our joy is just going to continue to do that. And this is why I think it's so important for us to lean in to start understanding that it's important to protect our joy. It's because I believe that the church has lost the passion to protect their witness. See, Ephesians 4.29 says this. It says, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those that hear. Listen, we are not protecting our witness. Like, listen to this. We know this is in the word of God. I say this all the time. We have to take this and we have to apply it. It's not a good, just, it's not good enough for us to just keep hearing these things. We have to understand that if Ephesians 4.29 tells us, let no corrupting talk come out of our mouths, then we need to make sure that there's nothing like that coming out of our mouths, but only that which is good for building up. Now, I'm not saying that the church needs to go back to the church that was of yesteryears necessarily, okay? But what I do believe is that the church has stepped a little too far on the other side. Maybe we've like literally leaped over to the other side and we've come tumbling all the way down that hill. I don't know, but Many of you remember the saying, um, I know uh, Marsha and Bob would back me up because I think we've talked about this before, but um, when the church wouldn't go to the picture show, (laughs) some of y'all remember that, right? We don't go to the picture show movies for those of you who may not follow me here. But they, they they would literally have things like that in the bylaws of the church, that literally it was like, we don't, we don't go. We do not associate with those types of places. We do not, we're, we're not, it's not happening, okay? And let me tell you, if you got found out that you were at one of those places, you were getting a talking to. Huh. That's the way it worked. 
And I'm not saying that's right. But what I am saying is that if we just throw caution to the wind and swing all the way on this other side, which I believe we've seen the church do, what we've done is we've completely obliterated the effectiveness of our witness. Because our witness, listen, every footstep that you take, every footstep that is behind you, that's part of your witness. It doesn't matter. You know, you might think, hey, I just kind of crept in and kind of crept out, you know? Uh, listen, I know people in the church. <laughs> I, um, okay, hold on. Let me get back. We need to go back to a point that we have some level of awareness for protecting our witness. See, today I see just as many in the faith spewing out vile things, perpetuating hate in these things just as much as the world does. See, if we disguise these things, and this is what I think we've done in America, and I'm just going to warn you, listen, I'm a, I'm a good red, white, and blue boy, okay? Just calm down here. But I am probably going to step on some toes here a little bit today, okay? Um, we disguise some of the things we do and say as our rights or our responsibility, but that's usually nonsense, okay? If we are damaging our witness of Christ, it's simply this. It's the work of the enemy. If your witness is being damaged and how you are responding or what you are saying about someone else, it is the enemy using you to tear down the witness of Christ. It's it. It doesn't matter what side that you are sitting on, okay? We have to understand, listen, Colossians 3.17 says, whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him, okay? So I'd like to, I, I, this, is, this is how we need to think of it this way. What if everything that we said, everything that we posted, everything that we commented on, everything that we gave to, everything that we participated in, okay, ended with this statement, in the name of the Lord Jesus, thank you, Father, <laughs> your opinion on this is absolutely stupid and anyone who agrees with you is an absolute idiot in the name of the Lord Jesus thank you father <laughs> wait what what did he just say <laughs> see we need to start applying the word of God to our lives in this way because listen Colossians spells it out pretty plainly for us what Whatever you, <laughs> whatever you do, I'm laughing because Bethany was telling me how she was mean to her sisters back in the day, and um, we were eating um, uh, uh, lunch today, and she was talking about how when she was uh, um, a cheerleader, maybe, was it cheerleader, just whatever, whenever she was younger, she would say to her sisters, whatever has three syllables. <laughs> and she would like do this over and over. And I said, it's no wonder they wanted to beat you. Like, I get it now. Like, I understand what's going on here. But, but that word whatever, okay, it encompasses, I mean, let's be honest. Who's going to define that right here, right? Whatever you do. In word or in deed, not just the things that you do, but even the things that you say. 
Do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And so when we hear that, we, we need to understand something here. The writer of Colossians is helping us do something. He's helping us protect our witness, right? By saying, by recognizing this, by understanding that we have to apply this in everything. It is, in essence, protecting our witness. And what we have done as the church is we've completely discarded our witness. We have treated it in such a way that it really doesn't matter what you say about the Lord Jesus Christ because they see how you've lived. They see how you've treated your neighbor, how you've treated your brother, how you've treated your sister, your mother, your whatever the story is. Because it doesn't matter. It, listen, here's the deal. There's nothing in this passage that says, unless they were mean to you, you know? I mean, unless, unless they didn't give enough to the church or unless they didn't, you know, they didn't uh, show up when you wanted them to show up, unless they didn't, you know, all these different, all these things that we hold grudges for. Grudges in such a way that it damages our own witness because we're walking around in bitterness because we haven't been protecting our joy. And see, we go through these things, we go through these experiencing, these experiences completely allowing the enemy to build these lies up to trick us into falling into these patterns, these same, same, same patterns. Let me tell you something that drives Bethany and I absolutely mad, okay, is um, it's kind of like the story with the puppy, okay? I showed you a little bit about my puppy last, last week, okay? Um, like, I want to puppy bites me, me say, ow, puppy, no, bite me. Problem solved. <laughs> Problem is, puppy bites me again. And I'm like, I already said, ow, don't bite me. Why are you biting me again? Like, I don't understand this. And it is the same way in the body of Christ that so often we find ourselves doing the same thing over and over, the same cycles, the same problems, the same burdens, the same struggles. And here's the deal. I am, Bethany and I are ones that's like, we sometimes we just want to shake someone and say, are you getting this? You know? <laughs> because we have allowed the enemy to build these lights up. Bethany and I have had this conversation a lot lately because of a few things, okay? Um, this is where I, I'm going to, listen, y'all know my heart, okay? So I'm good there. But we've had this, this conversation a lot lately because we in America, we have this, we have this concept, we have this, this thought process that has literally been wired into our existence as Americans, right? <laughs> this whole, even, even God bless America. And, and listen, th this, this is where I, I feel like I'm going to get in trouble, but you, you, you know me. This, this self-righteous attitude towards who we are as a nation is not of God. <laughs> See, I'm not saying, and don't hear me wrong here, okay? I'm not saying that we shouldn't be asking God to move on our nation. I'm not saying that in the least. But why aren't we just as passionate about seeing God intercede beyond our nation and across the globe. See, our culture has allowed us to become so self-centered that it is about us. And listen, I am telling you, I believe that this has absolutely, without a doubt, crept 
into the church. Because the church, I mean, how many churches are completely self-absorbed? Licking their own wounds, dealing with all of their own problems, while everyone outside of the building is dying, is in pain, is in need, and we're just, we got to get them new shades at the church, folks, right? <laughs> I mean, if, if, if we think about what's happened, we think about that, that I don't think about how I got to put this, people. We think about how that has been ingrained into who we are as a society. We take on beliefs, thoughts, impressions about who we are in such a way that it dishonors God because he wants all. (laughs) He wants all of us. He wants us to go in and understand him on a deeper level. But the problem is we are spending so much time getting caught up in conversations that are not glorifying him, that are damaging our witness, that are stealing us of our joy, that we don't even know what to say to someone if it came down to who is Jesus. Because we are so consumed with ourselves This is, so this is something crazy that I wrote that I didn't necessarily um, plan when I got into this, but I got there. But I, I want to tell you how the church has crippled itself, okay? The church has crippled itself in a really, really unique way. We, we, and mainly, the reason we're so crippled is because we only take bits and pieces of the promises of God, you know, we, we like this because this makes me feel good inside, man. Uh, woo! As for me and my house, you know what I mean? Like we take stuff like this and we apply it and we hang it on our walls and we get little vinyl die, cat, die cuts and we hang them up and we feel, we feel good, right? We share the little pictures where, you know, it's like Satan comes up and it's like, I bet you won't share this because you don't love God. And we're like, I got you, God, you know? Like we do this stuff, okay? But if we look at what the word Listen, what we could do as a church if we applied the biblical promises that this word holds for us. There is one thing that, and you guys know I don't talk about this a lot, so that's why I'm taking my time getting there. (laughs) But if we look at the church today and we look at the level of generosity that is coming from the church, I... I'm ashamed of it. Because I believe that the church was designed to be the most generous organization to ever be on the planet. Ever. But you have to understand the generosity that God desires for the church isn't necessarily just up to the church, it's up to all of the individual members that are in this group. This group who says we are going to reach people for Jesus, okay? And so I want to tell you, I want to read this to you because I I found this today and it just boggled my mind. About, I started thinking about this, what percentage of the church's global spend is on buildings and maintenance, right? You guys know that Bethany and I are as frugal as they come when it comes to the church. You know that. That's why that back wall is painted white instead of being redone, 
<laughs> it was nasty, disgusting paneling. And Bethany and I looked at each other and we said, you think we could paint it? <laughs> and we did. For three days, I painted in here. <laughs> I had white paint all up my face for weeks. It was horrendous. But the church, okay, has been so consumed trying to feed its own programs instead of fulfilling the needs of the world. I was reading this from the National Christian Foundation. It says that only 5% of the U.S. actually tithes, okay? Only 5% of the U.S. actually tithes. And 80% of those who do only give 2% of their income. Now, this is, this is something to, to think, and again, I'm not, you guys know me, I don't have to keep explaining myself, but what I want you to understand that is what would happen if believers came together, now I think there's a lot of reasons why some people don't give. I think some people have trust issues with the place that they may be. And I will tell you, if you have trust issues with the place that you may be, then you might be in the wrong place. <laughs> right? Like, I mean, come on. That's not an excuse to be like, well, I just, you know, I, I really like to give, but I don't know about them, so I'm just going to keep it myself. <laughs> that's, that's, not, that's not good. Um, if believers increase their giving to 10%, I want you to hear this number. It would bring an additional $165 billion to the church. $165 billion with a B, people. The global impact of that would be phenomenal as long as the church wasn't what? self centered. See, the problem with the church, and this is what so many people from the outside see when they look at the church. Well, if I gave them that money, what are they going to spend it on? You know? And I, I, I'm not necessarily saying that is a, that is a wrong opinion to necessarily have based off of what so many people have seen in the church. But what I am saying is that the church itself has to move past this environment of being self-centered. And do you know how the church moves past the environment of being self-centered? The same way that all the money happens in the church, by the individual <laughs> no longer being self-centered. It's not about how I feel. It's not about what I like. It's not about what I want. It is about glorifying God in all things that I could possibly do, in word or in deed, protecting my witness, protecting my joy because of it. When we hauled these pews in this church, so many people said to me, do you think people are going to sit for an hour in those wood pews? And I was like, I hope so, because it'll be awkward if they just get up and leave by the time I start talking. It'll be really hard for me, you know? But here, the, 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 the whole issue with that problem and that conversation is it's all about being self-centered. See, we have gotten to such a point that we want to allow everything. And listen, here's the deal. It's time for the church to wake up. It's time for us to wake up. Matthew 24, 42 through 44 says this. Matthew 24, 42 through 44 says, Therefore, stay awake, for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. But know this. Listen, this is it right here. And this is, this, I'm going to hone in on this. 
that if the master of the house had known in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and would not have let his house be broken into. Therefore, you also must be ready for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Put that 43 up there again because I want to read that one more time. If the master of the house had known in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake. What would he have done with it? He would have stayed awake and we would have not let his house be broken into. For some reason, the church of Christ, what we've done is we have not only gone to bed, we've propped the door open, we've got a board laying down, and we're leaving ourselves completely vulnerable. We're refu- we are literally refusing to protect our witness. And let me tell you, it is these ideas that have robbed us of our joy, and they are ruining our witness for Christ. And we, as the bride of Christ, should be ashamed of it. We should be ashamed if we've allowed ourselves to get so self-centered that we are more concerned about the temperature or the condition or if I can read the words on the songs or if I can do whatever the story is. We should be ashamed of it because guess what? None of that stuff is impacting your witness. The things that are impacting your witness is your attitude that you've applied to all of those things. And that is, listen, that is not the church of Christ, right? I'm gonna go back to, go back to saying If we ended everything that we did (laughs) or said in in the name of the Lord Jesus, thank you, Father. You say your boss treats you like dirt and you talk to everyone about how awful of a human being he is. In the name of Jesus, thank you, Father. See, we, we, we say this, we say this about politicians. We say it about each other. We say it about people with different opinions, different thoughts, different ways, whatever the story is. And all we've done is we've damaged our witness. A big televangelist gets caught in some sinful act and the world responds and the body of Christ responds in the same disparaging, tear down, I knew he was a fraud way. And that's not right. Because if everyone was watching you, (laughs) the way that they watch everyone. Listen, I'm telling you, I'd be in trouble. How many of us every single day respond in a way or live in a way that dishonors Christ and the witness that we are supposed to carry? And the the shame of it is, guys, is half the time, it's happening within the church. And I'm telling you, We need to learn to protect our witness like the church of yesteryears did. I didn't say like, I I said like, not exactly the same way that the church of yesteryear did. But we need to start understanding the value of that witness and how important it is because if we try to apply that witness in a position that everything else that you've done has been applied in, you have to understand what's going to happen. It's not going to connect and people will walk away and they'll say you believe that nonsense he was saying I just saw him last week 
do X, Y, Z, or say X, Y, Z, or treat someone like this, or whatever the story is. We have to wake up. It is time. It's time for us to protect our witness. It's time for us to protect our joy. If there is something that every time you hear it, it makes you just skin crawl, right? And don't be like, that's my spouse. (laughs) It's my spouse, man. Pastor told me. Pastor told me if anything was bugging me and it's my spouse, so I'm going to take care of it now. No, no, no. That's not what I'm saying. That's, you know, there's my claws for my claws queen there back in the back. But we have to, we have to protect our witness and protect our joy. Because your joy, guys, your joy is worth it. It is worth it. It is easy. It is so easy to be offended. It is so easy to be offended. Many people will be offended by a look and they don't even know what that look was. I may have been looking right past someone to try to find something. I don't know. Like, Did you see the way the pastor looked at me today? I don't know if anyone puts their hand like that around here, but I'm, I just did it for fun. Felt really weird, Justin. You should have stopped me. Justin, you should have been like, stop, bro. Don't do that. <laughs> but we have to. We have to protect our joy. We have to protect our witness, guys. Because those are the things that allow us to win people to Jesus. See, we're talking so much now about getting out and winning people to Jesus, and we have to protect these things to make that happen. I'm going to ask you to stand with me as we get ready to close. I want you, I want you to remember, I want you to remember what Matthew 24 says there, okay, in verse 43 again. Because I think if we're honest with ourselves, we know when the thief is coming in most of the time. We know. You can, listen, if you've got the Holy Spirit in you, you know. I'm just going to tell you that right now. Because you know, you can feel what's taking place that says, hold up. (laughs) But if the master of the house had known what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and would not have let his house be broken into. Church, we have to stop letting the enemy control our thoughts, our opinions, our ways in such a way that we are dishonoring the witness of Christ.